0: Welcome to worship with Dawson Memorial Baptist Church. At Dawson, we seek to be found faithful as God's people as we become and help others become faithful servants of Jesus Christ. Now join us as we worship God through the teaching of his word in today's message. Church, as we continue to worship this morning, I'm gonna invite you to take your copy of God's word. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter eight, 1 Samuel chapter eight. For those of you that are utilizing our Pew Bibles, that is page 230 in our Pew Bibles before you, 1 Samuel chapter 8. 22 years ago, Danielle and I moved to Birmingham for our first run-through as a student at Beeson Divinity School there on the campus of Stanford University. We had been living in Birmingham for about two weeks we are going to various churches before I started as a youth pastor in a uh, church in Gardendale. And uh, around the one of the first churches that we attended was Briarwood Presbyterian. And largely we went to that church because of the reputation of their pastor. And as we gather this morning and we think of tragic passing of Dr. Harry Reeder, uh, my heart breaks and I know that they are thousands of congregants, parishioners across the Birmingham metro area that are grieving the, the passing of their pastor. As Danielle and I were there in worship two decades ago, he had been the pastor of that church for two or three years at that time, and he has been an exemplar of a man who has stood firm in the Word of God as a faithful expositor of the Word of God, but also a faithful pastor, a faithful pastor. And so I have for decades and even more recently over the last five and a half years as I've come back to the Birmingham area, I've looked up to him. And so... Their congregation is gathering, and it is a bittersweet moment for them, and we pray the words of the Psalms that the Lord would be near to the brokenhearted, and we know that congregation is brokenhearted, but we also know that that congregation grieves not as those without hope, because they know that their beloved pastor stands in the presence of Jesus, the one he has pointed them to for over 25 years. So will you join me in praying for our brothers and sisters who call Briarwood their spiritual home? And will you join me as we pray for the reader family as they grieve his passing? Let us pray. Lord, in your providence, you have appointed shepherds to lead the sheep that we know to be the flock of the church. We thank you for the faithful ministry of Dr. Harry Reader and the faithful shadow that he has cast not only upon this Birmingham area, but the state of Alabama and this nation and the world. And we just pray for our fellow believers who gather, who call Briarwood home, that you would be near to them as they worship in this bittersweet moment, we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. First Samuel chapter 8 is our guide this morning. Again, that's page 230 in your pew Bible in front of you. This is a season of transitions. This is a season of graduations. This is a season of new chapters that are being written. Uh, this day, has been a day here at Dawson where we've celebrated our graduating seniors. Many of you are aware uh, across the Birmingham metro area, there are high schools that are having their graduation ceremonies this weekend, next weekend, the previous weekend. Many of you have uh, grandchildren, many of you have children that are college graduates and, and they are having their celebrations and their services and ceremonies these past weeks. And so there's, there's a lot of newness in the air there are a lot of young women and young men that stand at the precipice of new chapters that are being written in their careers and as they go off to college. And so we know that this is a time of transitions. This is a time where many men and many women stand at crossroads. Now, you don't have to be a graduating senior in high school to stand at a crossroads in your own life. You don't have to be uh, graduating from a graduate school or any kind of college for you to stand at a crossroads. These crossroads come as new chapters are written at very significant moments in our life. And sometimes those significant moments come with job promotions. Sometimes those significant moments come with uh, marriages. Sometimes those significant moments come uh, with babies that are born. Sometimes those moments are not moments that we celebrate, but they're moments that we mourn with disease that knocks on our door, or death that knocks on our door, all of us, as we walk through life, we come to these moments where we stand at a a crossroads, where, where we move forward as we face what is unknown before us, what is unfamiliar to us. There are times in your life and in my life, they're not every day, thankfully, But there are seasons where we have more question marks than we do have periods in our life. We have more uncertainties in our life than we do declarative certainty of what the next month or the next months are going to look like. So how do we find our way in the unfamiliar? The word of the Lord in 1 Samuel chapter 8 is not in anyone's top 10 Old Testament stories It's not a story that we come back to every summer in vacation Bible school, kid life here at Dawson. I I dare say it's not a story that's just on the, the tip of our mental mind when we think of those great chapters in the Old Testament. But it is a story nonetheless that has so much relevance for all of us who are trying to face the unfamiliar that comes before us. How do we do that with confidence as followers of Christ? I hope you'll be open to hearing the word of the Lord in 1 Samuel chapter eight, starting in verse one. When Samuel became old, he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn son was Joel, the name of his second, Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. Yet his sons did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Behold, you are old, and your sons, they do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. So we have a graduation of sorts here. We have a graduation of a faithful prophet by the name of Samuel who is graduating from his earthly life to his eternal habitation and it is in this moment that he has passed the baton of faith down to his two sons. But like I told you last week in that Mother's Day message, there are times where faithful parents pass down the baton, but sons and daughters do not take it up. Here we have an example of two sons that did not receive the baton of faith from their father. Now the elders begin to recognize this and they they say, hey, uh, your sons, we're not following them. So here's a good plan B everybody else, all the rest of the nations, they have a king. So Samuel, as you're coming to the sunset of your life, how about this? You give us a king because that's working well with all the rest of the nations and we want a king. The Israelites are doing something that every parent is sort of familiar with. When when your children at some point in some season come to you and they say, Mom, Dad, I've got to have fill in the blank. Whoa. (laughs) Hopefully it was not that that they had to have right there. That might be an iPad that uh, has seen its better days after that. So... They come to uh, mom and dad and they say, mom, dad, we've, we've got to have, we've got to have, uh, I've heard this as a parent of boys, uh, we've got to have seventh grade, eighth grade, we've got to have a phone, we've got to have a smartphone. Well, boys, why, why do you need that? Dad, every, everybody else, the entire state of Alabama has this and I don't right here. Everybody at my school has this. Everybody in my class. Anybody can relate to that. Anybody heard of that? Of course you have. Well, one reason you've heard that's because you have said it. And I said it. I remember when I we was in seventh and seventh grade, eighth grade. I wanted these shoes, these Air Jordan shoes. I came to my mom and said, "Mom, I've got to have this. Why do you have to have those?" Everybody else has these. The Israelites are here and they say to Samuel, we have to have a king. Why do you have to have a king? Everybody else, everybody else has a king. All the other nations, they have a king. And so Samuel talks to the Lord about their request. We pick up the story in verse six, but this thing displeased Samuel. When they said, give us a king to judge us and Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, obey the voice of the people and all that they say to you. For they've not rejected you, but they've rejected me from being king over them according to all the deeds that they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods. So they also are doing to you. Now then obey their voice, only shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. Notice what God doesn't say to Samuel. He doesn't say, hey, Samuel, Samuel, reject their request. He doesn't doesn't say in this moment, there's no way that I'm going to give them what they're asking. Actually, he says, you know, what they're doing is not rejecting you, Samuel, so much. They're rejecting me as their king. They're rejecting me as the one who paves the way for them. They're rejecting my reign for their own reign. They're rejecting my way for their way here. They're following not my path, but they're following their own path here. But give them a warning. Give them a warning, a warning that we read about in verse 10 and following. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking for a king from him. He said, these will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots and to be his horsemen and to run before his chariots. And he will appoint for himself commanders of thousands, commanders of fifties, and some to plow his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his implements of war and the equipment of his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will Take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive orchards and give them to his servants. He will, do you see this in verse 15? Do you see the repetition? He will take the tenth of your grain and of your vineyards and give it to his officers and to his servants. He will, we see it again, take your male servants and female servants and the best of your young men and your donkeys and put them to his work. And finally, he will take the tenth of your flocks and you shall be his slaves. And in that day, you will cry out because of your king, whom you've chosen for yourselves, but the Lord will not answer you in that day. The Lord tells us something that we need to hear as we stand at our own crossroads, wondering to ourselves, what way will we follow? Will we follow the way of the word of God? Will we follow the way of God or will we follow the way of the world and the blowing currents of the popular trends and popular opinions that cry out for our attention just like they did for the Israelites? Which way will it be? Is it our will or is it his will? Is it our way or is it his way? And notice that the Lord says in a warning, that the sin of following their way is going to be parasitic. And what I mean by that is sin always does what? We saw it five times from verse 11 to verse 17. You follow your way and that king will take and take and take and take and take. Sin does this. When you follow your will, When you follow your way, when we disregard the voice of the Lord in our lives, sin, it makes withdrawals, but it never replenishes with deposits. It only takes, and it only takes, and it only takes. Now, the enemy will try to delude you into thinking That sin will add something to you. It will add success to you. It will add flourishing to you. It will add fulfillment to you. But again, it is an illusion. It is a mirage. When we follow our way instead of his way, it is a take, 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 take withdrawals without deposits and here's the cruel irony of all of this the lord has taken the israelites out of egyptian bondage from a cruel king god has been their king he's been their warrior. He has brought them out of the hands of the Pharaoh himself in Egypt. And now the Israelites are saying, we want a king. And the cruel irony of it is, is God is saying is, if I give you a king, you will actually go back into bondage and he will take your sons and daughters from you. He will take your livestock from you. You will go back to Egypt without ever leaving the promised land. I hope you know this, but we see it in this passage and we always need to be reminded of it, that the road must travel by, the road must travel by, is not always the road to travel by. I hope you know that. I hope you know that we stand at crossroads in our own life. We have those uh, proverbial two roads that verge in the yellow wood. Which road will we choose to travel by and to choose to travel by the road less traveled by makes all the difference. The Israelites, they want to travel down the road that is traveled by all, the, the wide road, the road of the nations, the road of popular opinion. And in doing that, They actually disregard the warnings of the Lord who is trying to keep them on his way and his direction. Notice that Samuel gives these warnings here. They become more insistent. Uh, First Samuel chapter eight, verse 19 and following, but the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said emphatically, no, but there shall be a king over us that we also may be like, all the nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And when Samuel had heard all the words of the people, he repeated them. Don't you love the imagery here? He repeated them in the ears of the Lord, verse 21. And the Lord said to Samuel, obey the voice, their voice, and make them a king. Samuel then said to the men of Israel, go every man to his city. They stand at a crossroads. It's a graduation of the prophet of God, Samuel. And as they stand at this crossroads, they choose to travel down the wide road. And in doing this, they have a case. What we suffer from at times too is just a case of spiritual amnesia. They have forgotten what God has done for them in the past that should comfort them in all of the uncertainty of what lies ahead. And in your life and in my life, we can be guilty as charged, just like the Israelites. We can fail to ponder and fail to give thanks of just how much God has done for us in our lives just how much he has saved us, just how much he has rescued us from the cruel hands of Satan himself and set us free. We're not in bondage anymore. And he's brought us into a land where we can walk in freedom with him. And he has planted the spirit of God in us to be able to dwell with him and to walk with him and to know him and to be guided by him. But we can have all of these riches and still forget what he has done because all of us in the sanctuary we are prone to wander, we are prone to leave the God that loves us and that we love. The Israelites did it, and do not think that we can't either. A couple of years ago, we bought Danielle, my wife Danielle, bought her a new vehicle, and it's got this it's got this self-correcting uh, feature in her vehicle. And you can press this button, especially when you're driving down the interstate, there's a camera that picks up the lanes. And as you're traveling, it doesn't drive for you. But if you, as you're traveling, if you veer too far to the left, it will gently, the steering wheel, it just gently puts you back in between the lanes. And if you veer too far to the right, as long as you have this feature on, it will uh, gently bring you back into the center. So. As you're veering here, this feature, it keeps you in between the lanes. And there's some of us in the sanctuary that have this idea that the Holy Spirit is this internal camera in us that will always keep us from getting out of the lane of God's will and God's way for our lives. But it's just not True. God gives the ability of the Israelites to choose the wrong way. And God gives the ability for you and I to choose wrong paths. You can, in his freedom and in his sovereignty, choose to go down a dead-end road. You can do that. We've done that. I mean, look at the Bible. I mean, did, did God prevent Adam and Eve? medium of the truth is the knowledge of the good and the evil the answer to that is no did he self correct them the answer to that is no did he did he intervene when David in his laziness as a king doesn't go off to fight in the battle and he lustfully uh, leers at Bathsheba the answer is God did not intervene did God intervene when Peter said, I'm never going to leave you, Jesus, and then just a little bit later denies him three times. Did God intervene in that? The answer is no. Did God intervene when Judas, overcome with Satan himself, betrays Jesus with a kiss? The answer is no. And God will give you the freedom to choose his way, to choose his will, or to disregard it, ignore it know it's there, but say, hey, I think I'm going to try that road, because everybody else is going down that road. Everybody else believes that, thinks that, acts that way. That road, it looks like there are more people that are traveling down that road, and that's got to be the better road. And God, just as he did with his own people, the Israelites, will give us the freedom to wander. But here we are this morning saying, how can we stay on his road? How how can we follow his way? And aren't we thankful that his word is so clear that in the face of our own crossroads, in the face of the own uh, chapters that are new for us, that you and I, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can stay on the road of obedience. We can stay on the road of intimacy with him. And even if we've gotten on a detour, we've, we've taken an exit off of the freeway of God's will and his way, no matter how far you've gone down that detour on this dead end street, you can get back on the road of God's will on his way for your life. Praise God that that's the case. So to all the prodigals that might be here this morning, you're never too far away from being able to get back on his path in your life. Now, how do we do that? Well, we do that just with three simple principles embedded in the word of God. We stay first and foremost rooted in God's word. God's word is the very source of, that points us to a life of flourishing. His word testifies to that. Do you want to live a life of prosperity spiritually? Do you want to live a life of flourishing and abundance? We only can do that from drinking from the inexhaustible well of the word of God. No other way to do this. A wordless life will be a wayward life. a a life that disregards the teachings of God's word will lead us to spiritual dead ends. It always will. Psalmists would say in Psalm 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. When we drink of the word, when we give ourselves to the Word, we obey the Word, when we listen to the Word, when we're guided by the Word, it points us to, to, to the central character of the Bible. 66 books written over thousands of years by different authors over different uh, periods of time and different genres has, has one point, and that point is a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. The Bible doesn't give us information so that we can know about God but it gives us information so that we can know God, walk with God, worship God, be led by God, be comforted by him and convicted by him, reminded that he is the way, he is the truth and he is the life. Do you want to know the way for your life? The word of God points you to the word Jesus, who is the way. Do you want to know what truth is in a a land that is... uh, a flooded with lies he is the truth and his word points us to the truth do you want to know what it means to to follow his his path that leads to abundant fulfilled life The word points us to the word of God, Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. So stay rooted in the word of God, stay connected to God's family. The Israelites ignore the word of Samuel. They ignore the very words of God himself, and it leads to spiritual disaster. I hope you know this, but just remind you, the decisions that the Israelites are making in 1 Samuel chapter 8, it will lead to Saul, it leads to David, it leads to Solomon, it leads to the divided kingdom, and it leads to their captivity. It leads to a spiritual dead end that only the Messiah can redeem Jesus himself. So let us stay rooted in God's word. Let us stay connected to God's family as we hike new trails. Some of you might go out to Red Mountain. Some of you might go to Oak Mountain. Some of you might go to Gatlinburg this summer and you're going to hike some new trails. You're going out west maybe. It is always helpful to have someone that you can talk to that has been on those trails before. And it's also very helpful to not travel those roads, those trails, all by yourself. You're going to hear that again and again. Don't, don't, don't go down those trails all by yourself. Go, go with someone, someone to be with you Someone that maybe has walked those trails before, or to talk with someone to get guidance from that person here. And so the people of God come alongside of us as we are intimate with the word of God, reminded that none of us are called to be Lone Rangers. None of us are called on a, on a solo journey. We need the people of God as the Israelites were, we're journeying, they journeyed together. We are the church who journey alongside of one another. So stay rooted in God's word, stay connected to God's family. And finally, just glorious truth for you to hold on to. If you are a follower of Christ this morning, stand assured of God's presence with you. So so you're at a crossroads. You're having to make decisions and you don't know exactly what is ahead. One thing that can comfort you is that God is with you. The, the word of God, again, is so sure and so strong. Psalm 118, verse six, the Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side, is my helper. I shall not look in triumph on those who hate me. I mean, there are, there are people that are hurling insults at the psalmist here. And he is saying, I am strong and sturdy. I am steady because I know the Lord is with me. Do you know that? If you're a follower of Christ, the spirit of God is inside of you and the spirit of God will never leave you. Jesus himself said in the very last words that are recorded in Matthew's gospel, and behold, I am with you most of the time. I am with you some of the time. I am with you in the good times, but not always the bad times. No, I am with you. Can we say this out loud? I am with you. I am with you. I hope some of you can be reminded of that this morning he is with you always to the end of the age. So he is with us in all of our uncertainties that are before us. He is with us when there are more question marks than there are declarative statements that we can make. He is with us when we're at the very beginning of a new chapter and we don't know exactly how all of it's going to turn out. He is with us always, always, always. Two years ago, I was coaching one of my son's church basketball teams, fifth graders and sixth graders, excuse me, five-year-olds and six-year-olds are on this team. I had one five-year-old kindergarten basketball player who was very distracted on the court. Whole time's looking to the stands. Running up and down the court, heads turned sideways, looking to the stands, looking to the stands, looking to the stands. Ball gets passed to him, hits him in the ear, have to call timeout, pull him over and say, hold on, what's going on? What's in the stands? We got to focus. And he said, Coach David, I'm trying to find my teacher. Miss, fill in the blank. Now, is there anything more important than a kindergarten basketball player looking into the stands to see his or her teacher? The answer is nothing is more important than that. So I'm on a knee. You know, we turn, look, and then he just starts waving and his teacher waves at him. Huge smile comes over his face. And I said, get back into the game. She's there You can play. I think some of us in the sanctuary need to be reminded that God is in the stands. He is with us. He is for us. He loves you and is proud of you. So go and play the game. Stay rooted in his word stay connected to God's family and be assured of his presence as you stand at your own crossroads. Let us pray. Thank you for joining us today. To learn more about our family of faith or to learn how to become a follower of Jesus, please visit DawsonChurch.org. Until next time, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.